0: Uh, exodus chapter 20 verses uh, eighteen to twenty six we will um, reach the end of of exodus 20 uh, this morning. Uh, let me ask uh, if you are able, please stand as we read God's word together. Exodus 20 beginning in verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you and that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the people of Israel, you have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. The grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's pray. We pray, O Holy Spirit that you would be at work in uh, this, your word. Uh, r- root out sin in our lives. Uh, draw us to uh, love and serve Christ. Uh, grant that we might uh, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest this, your word. Through Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we've um, we've taken a few... Uh, Few family vacations out to Colorado over the years. Um, three summers, I think, since we've lived here, uh, we went skiing in Breckenridge once when the kids were little. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, John, our oldest, got a, a t-shirt, um, and and on this t-shirt was a picture of a guy skiing, and he's um, he's there's kind of some woods, but it's it's really a it's really a rock face. But he's skiing. And he's going over the edge of this cliff. And there's sort of fresh powder kind of blowing up behind him. And he's jumping off the edge of this cliff. And you can kind of see some trees. And and the picture doesn't exactly show you where he's going to land. And it says, uh, confidence, colon. uh, The feeling you have before you fully understand the situation. I think there are a couple of hundred thousand Hebrews wearing that t shirt in this passage. They're wearing this shirt that says confidence, the, the feeling you have before you fully comprehend the situation. Because um, let me, we're going to remind you, it's been three months since we started Exodus 20. Um, ten Commandments, so there's ten weeks. Uh, Plus a couple of weeks off along the way. Um, And so I don't expect you to remember three months ago and how Exodus 19 happened and the events of Exodus 19, uh, especially in light of uh, Exodus 20. But let me let me make sure you sort of keep a hand and keep Exodus 19 close by notice the 10 commandments have just been given in the first 17 verses God introduces in the first 2 verses and then 3 to 17 we get uh the 10 commandments in Exodus 20 and Moses repeats in verse 18 something we saw back in chapter 19 he reminds us of the scene of the setting there's thunder we could get some of that maybe uh, lightning. I hope we don't get any of that. The sound of a trumpet. I'm pretty sure that won't happen this morning. The mountains smoking. There's shaking. There's la- the, he reminds us of the violence of the setting, and not not violence because there's a war, but violence because it's just it's loud and it's dark and it's thunder and lightning and all those things that that quite honestly we're supposed to be afraid of. All those things that actually drive us to some amount of fear it's loud there's a trumpet blaring there's there's thunder it's just a violent looking violent sounding scene and so moses reminds us of that in verse 18 because look back at verses 16 to 18 in chapter 19 on the morning of the third day, there were thunders, lightnings. Remember, we made a big deal about the lightning, the thunders, plural, and lightnings, plural, uh, and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the camp trembled. There it is. Verse 16 basically is restated again in Exodus 20, verse 18. For you and me, that's been three months. For them, it's been hour. 2 minutes they they would have been measuring in minutes n- not not weeks the way we are so it's really sort of stating reminding us the reader of the context of the setting that it's just a loud violent noisy place but let me remind you of the feeling the people had before they fully understood the situation Look back at chapter 19, verse 17. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Okay, there's, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's smoke, there's darkness, and there's trumpet. But notice verse 17 tells us they're standing at the foot of the mountain. They've they've been called to meet with God at Mount Sinai. And they trembling, yes, but still standing there at the foot of the mountain. Look back at verse 8 of chapter 19. And there, before they're actually called to meet at the mountain, uh, verse 8, all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, We will do. Now, if you remember, we sort of made the observation that they were saying that before the Lord had given the Ten Commandments. They were saying that anticipating, well, I mean, he's brought us out of Israel. I mean, of course, we'll do whatever he tells us to do. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then they're called to meet at this mountain and uh, to they hear God's voice, they hear God give the law they've they've heard his voice. you even see that clearly in verse twenty two of Exodus twenty. the Lord says to Moses, "You shall say to the people of Israel,You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven <clears throat> before hearing the voice of God, before the ten Commandments, before the giving of the law, before the God speaking from the cloud and the smoke and the noise and the fear. The people were confident. We will do whatever you command. Have you ever had that sort of feeling? Uh, Maybe you haven't. There are people out there. We'll do it that way, right? We'll absolve you of all guilt, right? We don't do this, of course. But there are people out there who have this notion... That God is nothing more than a Santa Claus, just a, a a jolly old granddad who's so easy to approach and easy to talk to, and and um, that that he's always happy and and loving and welcoming. And yes, Jesus does teach us to pray our Father um, in the Lord's Prayer. And yes, Jesus gives us access to God uh, by grace through faith. But they have this notion that, that they can just call God the big guy upstairs. Like they, they they kind of bring him down out of his holiness, out of his otherness. But this passage reminds us that God is not just another one of the fellas. That he actually is holy. He actually is seated in heaven. And the, the volume and the violence and the dark and the smoke, and they're all intended to remind us of that. Never does the Bible negate God's holiness. Never does the Bible undo this image of God. Never does the Bible sort of minimize the threat and the reality of the Ten Commandments. So the Israelites come to this mountain, even with the the tempest, the storm, the stuff going on around it. Yes, they're afraid. Yes, they're trembling. But they came and they stood at the foot of the mountain. But notice what changes in verse 18 of Exodus 20. People saw the thunder, the flashes, the lightning, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, all of which they saw back in chapter 19. The people were afraid and trembled, all of which happened in chapter 19. But notice the next phrase. They stood far off. Literally, they ran away. Literally, the people said, hold on a second. This is more than we bargained for. And they backed away. Before, there was, there was thunder and storm and lightning and smoke and fire. And yes, they trembled, but they stood at the foot of the mountain. Here, they've turned on their heels and have run the opposite way. And lest you think Moses is free from guilt, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that Moses ran away with them. In Hebrews 12 verse twenty one we read indeed so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, "I tremble with fear." Moses walked off with the people in fact, the reason they can say to Moses in verse 19, "Hey look, you go talk to him is because Moses is with them M- Moses isn't free from the same fear and dread and trembling and And running that the rest of Israel felt. The reality is, anyone and everyone who ever comes face to face with God in His holiness in the Bible trembles with fear. We we just came out of Christmas, right? Luke 2, the shepherds, angels, what's the first thing they, they say? Fear not. The angel appears to Mary. Hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby, but what's the first thing he says? Mary, fear not. Why is it that angels who show up to speak to people, representing God to the people, every single time have to say, don't be afraid? Why do we suddenly decide, I don't have any reason to be afraid of God? I don't need to tremble in his presence at all. He's just one of the guys. He's just like my granddad, all happy and loving and and pleasant to be around and laughing and jovial and just one of the fellas. Never is his holiness, never is his otherness undone by Scripture. So here's the question. Why the change? Why suddenly the feeling you have before you fully understand the situation? Well, there's, there's a couple of things. There are two things that are different now in verse 18 of chapter 20 than, than were true of them in chapter 19. The first is they've come face to face with a holy God. It's one thing to see a storm on a mountain. It's another thing to then from that storm hear the voice of the Lord. That's one change. They have come, they recognize that they have now come face to face with the God of heaven and earth. There's another change. The other change is they just heard about their guilt and sin and shame. They just heard the Ten Commandments. They just realized the gap between a holy God and a rebellious, sinful people. Not only have they They've come face to face with God, but now they've come face to face with their own sinfulness in the light of the law. Look, This is one of the purposes of the law itself, right? Is to show us our sin. To reveal to us just how far short we fall of God's glory. Our world may think of God as a An all blubby, dovey cosmic grandpa. But the Bible, but nobody in the Bible that ever meets him thinks that. Nobody in the Bible that ever comes face to face with God thinks that. In fact, one of the things we try to, Create in our worship notice notice in a in a passage that's talking about God's holiness. We tried to capture that a little bit by singing holy, holy, holy first to sort of we want to capture that that holiness, that otherness in our worship service. Maybe not in each individual service, but certainly in the big picture of things. We want to make sure we keep him holy, but at the same time we have access to him. Because notice what the people asked for. The people in verse uh, 19 said, Moses, look, here's the deal. We need a mediator. We need somebody who can can run this gap between us and God. We're not going to talk to Him face-to-face anymore. And we don't want Him talking to us face-to-face anymore. So Moses, here's the deal. You're going to do it. We need a mediator. We need somebody between us and him. Moses, that's your job. The people rightly understood we need a mediator. His holiness, my sin, drives me to recognize I need somebody in this gap. I need somebody standing in this place. You have that mediator, it's not Moses. Moses isn't your mediator. Moses, we've already seen, Moses was one of the fellas. Moses was one of the guys. He ran away too, Hebrews 12 tells us. You have that mediator. Jesus is the greater Moses. You have the one who has come and to serve in this exact role to solve the problem of the distance between you, the sinner, and And God the holy and just and righteous lawgiver. Moses trembled with fear and ran away with the people. Jesus never trembled with fear before God. Because he himself was fully God and fully man. It was his food to do the will of the Father. He never fled God's presence. He actually ran to it. Jesus perfectly kept the law that we cannot. He perfectly kept what Moses could not. And so these people, the Israelites, asked for a mediator. Someone to go between, to grant them access to God, but someone who would who would buffer that, that gap between His holiness and our unworthiness, our unrighteousness. That's exactly what Jesus said. Has come to do. You have access to the Father through not an imperfect mediator like Moses, but through the only perfect mediator, Jesus Christ. But there's something else we need for access to the Father. Because notice there are these instructions given in verses 22 to 26. God. Um, speaks to the people here about how to solve the problem of their disobedience. And again, we we would do well to have a good grasp on His holiness and our sin. Uh, If we rightly understand God's holiness, then uh, that alone will serve as a bit of a mirror to remind us of just how far short we fall. But we also need a good firm grasp on... The solution. Notice uh, Moses. I mean God gives instructions on building an altar. Uh, note verse 22. You've, you shall say to the people you've seen for yourselves. I've talked with you from heaven. And then verses 23 and 24 basically. Uh, or 22 and 23. Basically restate the first two commandments. You, you hear echoes of no idols. No other gods before me. And worship me in the way that I've instructed you to worship me, that is, without images. And even a nod towards the third commandment in verse 24 wherever his name is remembered, he will visit his people there. And it says, though the instructions for the altar are grounded in those first two, three. Commandments, a recognition that God alone is to be worshipped and so He's to be worshipped the way He's instructed. He's supposed to be worshipped and worshipped rightly. And it's in that context that we get these instructions for building an altar. Now, if you, if you noticed when we read the passage, there are a few things in verses 24, 25, 26 that seem head-scratcher. There are a few things as you read an altar of earth uh, you shall make for me sacrifice on it, burn offerings, peace offerings, sheep and oxen. Uh, verse 25, if you make an altar of stone, not hewn stone, so no, no shovels, no hammers, no hatchets, no axes, no chisels. Because um, as soon as you do, you profane it. Oh, and by the way, no steps lest your nakedness be exposed on it. And you're kind of scratching your head going, What on earth? That seems like a, one of those kinds of phrases that, that God puts into instruction sometimes and you go, I don't I don't I, I don't know what that could possibly be there for. For one, the altar is to be made of earth and if you're gonna use stones, you stack stones. You don't do anything with them. You just find them, gather them, pile them up, don't tinker with them, don't Improve them. Don't shape them in any way or another. No steps because then expose your nakedness on it. Some of these seem kind of odd. One one writer actually suggested, uh, and this might have been John Calvin actually, um, suggested that uh, the reason the altar was to be made of earth would be so that we wouldn't find it again. Because if you find it again, there are two dangers. One is you think, well, that would be better. We should use that. We don't need that anymore. Or worse, we might begin to even worship that itself. We make sort of an icon, an idol out of the very thing we find out of this altar. Part of what's going on here is a distinction being made between God's people and the, the world around them in the promised land. Because the worship of the pagans in the promised land frequently involved temple prostitutes, things of that sort. And so the guarding against nakedness is really a distinction being made, a, a separateness being made for how the Israelites would worship once they're there in the promised land. In other words, God's people are to be different from the world around them, even from other religious people around them. There's sort of an implication here that that we as a church, we don't take our cues from the world around us in what we do in here in worship. We take our instructions from God and his word, not from whatever other religions around us are doing. I think there's also, in these earthen altars, there's a temporariness to them. We don't need them anymore. We don't have an altar here. Because the final perfect sacrifice has already been made on that cross altar back a couple thousand years ago. And so, these altars were only necessary under the Old Covenant, these altars, in fact, part of the implication in Exodus 20 is they were only necessary as long as the people were still traveling to the promised land. And once they got there, then they could build something because they were going to stay there longer. So their their place here was only temporary. So the, the, the altar itself was only temporary. We don't sacrifice oxen, sheep, goats anymore. So we don't need an altar. What does that mean? This section doesn't have anything for us at all. It means absolutely nothing to all. Notice verse 24. What's the purpose of the altar? What happens there? Burnt offerings and peace offerings. Sheep and oxen sacrificed for burnt offerings to atone for our sin. Peace offerings to make peace between God and his rebellious people. We have that. The burnt offering made atonement for sin. The peace offering restored a relationship. It it made peace between a holy God and a rebellious sinner. And we need those things too. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. That's exactly what Christ did. Was to atone for our sin. To pay the debt that our guilt and our rebellion requires and thereby to make peace between God and man. All of God's people need a mediator. All of God's people need a sacrifice. All of God's people need someone to go between God and and us. And all of God's people need a sacrificial system, a sacrifice made for our guilt, for our sin For our disobedience. And without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9 tells us. And so in this context of Exodus 20. The 10 commandments have just been given. To the Israelites. They heard them. They heard the voice of God giving these commandments. They understand what they mean. They understand their implication. They understand the fact that they don't keep them. That they are guilty. And so in the face of a holy God and in the face of their own guilt, they need a mediator and they need an altar. You and I need the same thing. You and I have the same thing in Christ. We need our guilt problem solved. We need someone to intercede for us. God doesn't change his holiness doesn 't change he 's not suddenly not holy anymore, just because we live after Jesus and we're we 're not suddenly not guilty just because we live after jesus you you try saying that many sentences with that many double negatives in them. And so we try to capture this in our worship here at Grace Covenant, that God is holy and that we are not, but that we have access to him through Jesus. The perfect final mediator. The perfect lamb sacrificed for sin. The only one who could make peace between God and man. the Israelites trembled because they needed a mediator. They needed a sacrifice. They needed an altar. Because we have Christ, we can have confidence. We can come confidently and and boldly into God's presence, not because of who we are, but because of who our mediator is. The greater Moses, the greater lamb, the greater sacrifice in fact, turn with me to Hebrews chapter twelve. Um, Hebrews twelve. Let me. Uh, we have we have used this sometimes for our a call to worship. Um, Hebrews chapter twelve, verse twenty five. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's not language. Describing God as a consuming fire is not language you expect to hear in the church in 2022. We expect that to be Old Testament. That's way back then. That can't be true New Testament. But here it is. The Bible tells us, Hebrews twelve twenty nine, actually quoting from the Old Testament, that our God is still a consuming fire. We've come to a better mountain. We've come not to Sinai, but to Zion. And how is that different? What's, what's different? What's changed? It's not God that has changed. He's still holy and still demands altogether righteousness. So what's different? What's different about us? What has changed? It's the mediator. And it's the sacrifice. Because Jesus alone is the one true mediator between God and man. He's the one perfect final sacrifice to atone for sin and to make peace between God and his people you're trusting in christ this morning you have that confidence that you don't have to you tremble with fear because god is holy but you don't have to run away because christ opens the way to the father for us let's pray together Our lord jesus we thank you for your faithfulness your obedience uh, in uh, on the earth to accomplish our salvation to uh, secure our the righteousness that we uh, lack in and of ourselves uh, we thank you for uh, being willing to to serve as the sacrifice uh, to shed your blood that we might be forgiven to uh, be slain on that altar that was the cross uh, that we might uh, find forgiveness there and that we might have peace with a holy God would you grow in us the confidence we have in our mediator and in your work as our sacrifice that we might live to honor and glorify you, and that we might take that message of hope to the world around us. Through Christ we pray. Amen.